0: Tweet at SFM Radio and at Aldrin Simpia. Well, it's nine minutes now before five o'clock in conversation with Michael Rousseau, Senior Investment Consultant at 10X Investment. Today, we continue our living annuity discussion focusing on fees. In case you didn't know, fees can have a big impact on your living annuity income, and it is important to be cognizant of of the cost so that you can maximize on your investment. Michael Rousseau now joining us on the line. Michael, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. So, what fees should a person expect to pay on a living annuity?
1: Uh, Hi there, Aldrin. Uh, Yes, uh, fees is quite an important factor when uh, doing research on living annuities. Uh, I suppose because most people don't, you know, it's not their day job, um, the one thing that most investors struggle with is just having a gauge for what's a good fee, an average fee, or what a high fee is uh, in terms of paying for a living in And um, just to help investors with, with that gauge, anything 1% and less is a good fee. Um, anything between 1% and 2% per annum is an average fee. And anything higher than 2% um, is actually quite a high fee. Uh, But I would say that's also left for interpretation because on the rare occasion, a 2% fee can be justified. So you want to sort of always look at it in conjunction with the returns that you're receiving. But I want to make just a warning to our listeners. Our industry tends to struggle with full disclosure when it comes to costs. So when you're asking for total fees, you want to sort of use this investment jargon term called EAC, Effective Annual Cost. I would go as far as saying that if you don't know your EAC, Effective Annual Cost, then you, you probably don't know the fee that you're paying on your investment.
0: Would you advise to ask for that?
1: Uh, always, always, always. It should be a number one rule, and it's always there to protect you just from non-disclosure.
0: Yeah. And is there any correlation between the high cost on living annuities and the performance of 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 of, of that annuity?
1: Uh, no, that's not the case. Uh, it's not like a retail store product um, where you know the higher the cost, the higher the quality. Uh, there's, there's not necessarily a correlation between a high cost and uh, a high net performance.
0: Mm-hmm. And can a living annuity work within a portfolio of investments?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, in, there's different types of investment vehicles, like a living annuity is one type. Uh, you'd have unit trusts, fixed deposits, cut your sense counts. These are all different types of uh, investment vehicles and they are all used for certain goals. So uh, a living unity can be used with a portfolio of other investment vehicles to achieve you know, goals like estate planning. Uh, as you get older, into your late 70s, early 80s, investors tend to shift some of their capital into a living annuity because when you pass away, uh, the funds actually go directly to your beneficiaries mm-hmm. and you won't end up paying that 20% estate duty tax. Sometimes investors, um, when they get older than 55, because their retirement savings have been under the regulation 28 environment, the most offshore that they can have is 45%. So they tend to actually retire their funds because they want more than 45% offshore exposure and then I think the main reason why people use living annuities is because it's now time for them to start drawing an income from their living annuity, from their retirement savings.
0: Yeah. So, so that that speaks to the tax implications of a living annuity.
1: Yes. Yeah. So when you tr- when you retire your funds mm-hmm. uh, from your retirement funds to a living annuity, there's no tax upon the transfer. It is a tax free transfer um, unless you withdraw sums out. So first 550000 is tax-free, and then as you go more and more above uh, $550,000, you end up paying tax uh, upon that withdrawal above it. The the growth inside, so the investment inside of the living entity, the growth is tax-free. It's only the drawdowns, so the money that you receive on a monthly, quarterly, annually basis, mm. that income actually gets taxed according to the individual tax tables. So that's very dependent on the individual. And then uh, the final, as I mentioned earlier, if you pass away, uh, there's no 20% estate duty
0: tax. So that means that uh, based on your own tax bracket, <laughs> that would determine how much tax you'd be paying on that, uh, on that drawout.
1: On the drawdown, yes, correct, correct.
0: Okay. What levers can, can one then tweak within that living annuity to ensure that you don't run out of money during retirement?
1: Yeah, so sustainability of capital is the number one goal. Uh, you don't want to run out of money inside of a living in your team. And how would you achieve that? I would say the um, the lever that moves the needle the most would be your asset allocation. You want to make sure that you're investing in the right assets so uh, that you have a large portion of your funds invested in gross assets like property and shares and then diversified with cash and bonds. So you want to have the right asset allocation for a long-term investor, and that is uh, going to have the biggest impact on whether you, your money runs out or not. The second lever, I would say, is the way it's managed. Um, I would encourage our listeners to, obviously, research the difference between active and passive management and using indexes by tracking the market because there, there's a certain probability assigned to each you know, way that you invest your funds. And the, another way that you, uh, lever that you can pull is uh, reducing your fees. Now, reducing your fees without compromising your returns. So always look at fees in conjunction with the returns. And then the last and final lever, and the reason why this would be the probably the last lever that you pull, is because it's your drawdown, the money that you pay yourself. Because obviously we all know how much we need to live and sometimes it's very difficult to compromise it. when especially when there could be other levers that you could pull before you get to reducing your income that you receive.
0: A quick question Michael here from one of our listeners, if a person ceases to be a tax resident, how will he be able to access his a pension on retirement?
1: Uh yes, yeah. so naturally the rules of the, the it depends on which fund that they're in. Uh, They can go through financial immigration. Um, That's now become a three-year process. So if you retire your RA or your um, pension fund, problem fund, then you would have to wait three years before you can pull the full funds out. Um, If you are retired already and then you move abroad, I've got quite a few investors that are already living abroad. The rules of the living immunity state that the income must be paid into a South African bank account. Mm-hmm. So what we do for those investors is we actually change the frequency to a annual amount uh, to get paid into the, 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 the bank account. And then they just associate themselves with a bank that has a good relationship with the country that they have immigrated to.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Michael Rousseau, Senior Investment Consultant at 10X Investment. And if you want to listen to that podcast again, you can find that uh, you can find it on our web uh, page that is on SAFM 614 104 Your tweets at St Pierre and our studio line is 6 That conversation proudly brought to you by 10x Investment.